Day twenty seven, the story of two sisters who were jealous of their younger sister, Part two. As the children grew older, their beauty and air of distinction became more and more marked. The princes had been named Bahman and Pervez, while the princess was called Perizada. The intendant appointed a tutor to teach them the fine arts, geography, poetry, history, and science. Every branch seemed so easy to them that their teachers were astonished at the progress they made. In order to set off these accomplishments, the attendant bought a splendid country house a few miles from the capital, surrounded by an immense park. This park he filled with wild beasts of various sorts, so that the princes and princess might hunt as much as they pleased. When everything was ready, the intendant threw himself at the sultan's feet, and after referring to his age and his long services, begged his highness's permission to resign his post. This was granted by the sultan. Five or six months passed away in the pleasures of the country, when death attacked the intendant so suddenly that he had no time to reveal the secret of their birth to his adopted children. And as his wife had long been dead, also, it seemed as if the princes and the princess would never know that they had been born to a higher station. Their sorrow for their father was very deep. And they lived quietly on in their new home, without feeling any desire to leave it for court, gaieties, or intrigues. One day, the princes, as usual, went out to hunt, but their sister remained alone in her apartments. While they were gone, an old Mussulman appeared at the door and asked to enter, as it was the hour of prayer. The princess sent orders at once. That the old woman was to be taken to the private oratory in the grounds, and when she had finished her prayers, was to be shown the house and gardens, and then to be brought before her. When the woman had finished her prayers and had seen the house, she was led by the servants before the princess. "My good woman," said the princess, "what do you think of the house, madam?" replied the pilgrim. It is impossible to imagine anything more lovely than the garden, but since you ask me, I must confess that it lacks three things to make it absolutely perfect. And what can they be? cried the princess. The three things, madam, replied the old woman, are first the talking bird, whose voice draws all other singing birds to it to join in chorus. And second, the singing tree, where every leaf is a song that is never silent. And lastly, the golden water, of which it is only needful to pour a single drop into a basin for it to shoot up into a fountain, which will never be exhausted, nor will the basin ever overflow. The three things of which I have spoken are all to be found in one place. On the borders of this kingdom, towards India, your messenger has only to follow the road that passes by your house for twenty days, and at the end of that time, 
He is to ask the first person he meets for the talking bird, the singing tree, and the golden water. She then rose, and bidding farewell to the princess, went her way. The princess was still thinking of the subject, and how delightful it would be to possess such rarities, when the princes, her brothers, returned from the chase. What is the matter, my sister? asked Prince Balman. Why are you so grave? Are you ill? Or has anything happened? Like myself, said the princess, you have always thought this house was perfect in every respect, but only today I have learned that three things are still lacking to complete it. These are the talking bird, the singing tree, and the golden water. And then she explained what happened today to her brothers. My dear sister, replied Prince Balman, tell me where I am to go, and I will get them for you. The next morning, Prince Balman got up very early, and after bidding farewell to his brother and sister, mounted his horse. But just as he was about to touch it with his whip, he was stopped by a cry from the princess. Oh, perhaps after all you may never come back. One never can tell what accidents may happen. Give it up, I implore you, for I would a thousand times rather lose them than that you should run into danger. My dear sister, answered the prince, I promise you to be very careful. Take this knife. If it keeps bright and clean, you will know that I am living. But if the blade is spotted with blood, it will be a sign that I am dead, and you shall weep for me. He bade them farewell once more and started. For twenty days he rode straight on, till he found himself drawing near the frontiers of Persia. He noticed an old man with a long white mustache and beard that almost fell to his feet. Prince Bahman dismounted from his horse and bowed low before the holy man, saying by way of greeting, My father, may your days be long in the land, and may all your wishes be fulfilled. The dervish did his best to reply, but his mustache was so thick that his words were hardly intelligible, and the prince requested permission to cut off some of the mustache, as he had a question of great importance to ask the dervish. The dervish made a sign that he might do as he liked. Then the dervish smiled and thanked him for what he had done. Gentle dervish, replied Prince Bahman, I come from far, and I seek the talking bird, the singing tree, and the golden water. But I am ignorant of the exact spot. Tell me, I pray you, if you can. My lord, the dervish said at last, I do know the road for which you ask. But your kindness and the friendship I have conceived for you make me loth to point it out. But why not? inquired the prince. What danger can there be in the adventure which courage and a good sword cannot meet? The very greatest danger, answered the dervish. Suppose that your enemies are invisible. How then? Nothing will make me give it up.
replied the prince, and for the last time I ask you to tell me where I am to go.'